This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Asia Torah here in the old city of Jerusalem. This is the Practical Spirituality Program overlooking the Temple Mount. So we, um, I was just, I've given a health tip every day of Hanukkah, it's, which is really interesting. I'm, I'm you know, the, the Greeks were really into like physicality and, and for some reason, even though this week celebrates the victory over the Greeks, I, I, I've given a health tip every day of the week. So, so today's health tip is, especially on winter times, is to make sure you keep your window open at night when you're sleeping during storms and stuff. Just kidding. Um, every night, summer and winter, uh, you always want a little fresh air coming in. And, and it should be, it can be on a, if you're like East Coast where it's really cold outside. So you can literally just crack the window open a tiny bit. You'll feel this kind of influx through that crack. But you keep fresh air going. It's really good for your sinuses to not be in a room with still air for many, many hours at a time. So you can actually prevent the, the winter sniffles by, by just having a little stream of, of air coming in, fresh air into your, into your bedroom. Um, that's enough of today's hint. Um, and you mind sliding a teeny bit over because I feel bad this cable's like right in front of my face. Yeah, just a, just a tiny bit. There you go. How's that, guys? Good? Okay, lady, get back up there. The fan's on high. Just put it on low. No, no, the fan. The fan far right bottom. Yeah, you got it. What are you touching over there? You're really just pressing buttons randomly. Okay. So we're in the darkest time of the year and we're we're celebrating the festival of light. And this is an interesting time because it's actually, uh, it's, tw- it's exactly nine months before the creation of the world. So, meaning the 25th of Kislev, which is when the first night of Hanukkah started, is exactly nine months before the 25th of Elul, which is the creation of the world. So, the world was formed out of light. The world was really created by light, and, there, and the, the light of Hanukkah gave birth to creation nine months later on the 25th of Elul. Light is the uh, foundation of, of all of physicality. Everything's really made of light. And, um, and this isn't just a Kabbalistic teaching. This is physics as well. The world of physics will tell you that all the matter that's around you, everything in the world of matter is made of light energy. Everything is created out of light energy. And so too our Kabbalists have taught us that the world comes into existence from light energy. Now, how things go from light energy to physical matter is a subject of, of, of what's called theoretical physics. So there's actual university... Um, uh, what do you call a machlaka? Uh, 
divisions, <laughs> departments, departments. There are there are actually university departments called theoretical physics, where where people actually uh, do a lot of different experiments trying to figure out how light became matter. But in the Kabbalah, we actually have great detail of how light became matter. Uh, we have an ch- actual tradition of exactly how light becomes matter. And the way that light becomes matter, which is what we, I'd like to talk about a little bit today, is to is the way light becomes matter is you, you have you have God who's beyond any of that, you know, any of that stuff. God is beyond all that, all you know, light. But then there what happens is God emanates light into creation from himself. So you got God who's, you know, beyond any of this, any of creation. But then you have this like level here, which we could call, um, you know, maybe I'll make it even straight to make it clearly a level that you have this level here, which we could call the level of emanation. So this level here is called emanation. I'm guessing on that E. Is that right? M A. It's an A. So this is the level called emanation, and what happens is, in that that God God's the emanator, and this is the level called emanation. In Hebrew, it's called atzilus, and that realm called atzilus is the is the realm from which God's oneness emanates into creation, but it's, it is total oneness. And what happens is the light of, that, that emanates from there breaks into ten beams. And those ten beams are what emanate out. Those are called the, the ten spheros. And they, that all enters into this realm that's called um, creation, which is not a very accurate term, so don't mix it up with God creating the world. But this realm here is called Berea. And this level of Berea is where the ten, the ten beams of the ten spheros actually distinguish themselves from one another. Now they... They, meaning all those ten exist in Atsilus, but they're united in Atsilus. There's the oneness. Atsilus is almost synonymous with God's oneness, the oneness of Atsilus. But it's not God. God's the emanator. This is the realm of emanation. And the world of emanation has all the ten spheres united. But what happens is those ten spheres distinguish themselves from one another into the world of Berea. Now, you see all those ten distinguished from each other in this, in this pictorial but they're actually totally interwoven inside this realm. What do I mean by interwoven? What I mean by that is they are, they're in a holographic relationship with each other. Now, um, you all know what a hologram is? Hologram's like a 3D projected image. And that projection, the, how you make a hologram is you shine a laser um, you know, a laser beam. Then you have a diffuser, which then diffuses that laser across a holographic plate. It now shines through that holographic plate, much like a 
slide, a film slide, like a, like a, there were once, uh, um, you'd have to be pretty old to know this, um, but there was these things called slides. Is that what we called them? Slides? Boy, it's just not a very creative name. Um, but they were called slides. And, and we used to, like, if we wanted to watch something, like pictures we took on a trip, we would need to, to, in order to show them to people, you took this big machine that was a slide projector, and there were straight line ones, and there were carousel ones where you, you put in all your slides, and then you shine the light through the slide projector. And it, it was a pretty uh, kind of coarse technology. It's still, using, it's still really good for showing art. Is it really? Yeah, oh, so they still use slide projectors? Yeah, if you want to show artwork, it's usually it's even better sometimes. Digital? Yeah. Well, good to know. Okay, so don't throw out your slide projectors in case you're going to be having an art exhibit. Has it, uh, you've never even seen a slide projector. Star Wars. Star Wars. There was a slide projector in Star Wars. No, that was a. 3D. No, that was that was R B. R two D two. Yeah, that's hologram. Those are not slide projectors. Anyway, the laser gets diffused across the holographic plate, and then it's refused. After that, back into, uh, and then shines out a laser projected image, 3D in space with no, you don't even need a screen for it because it's a 3D image. And that's holographic technology. But here's the interesting part of holographic technology is that the actual plate that you shine it on has all the information in every millimeter of it. It's alocational, which is really a fabulous thing to even think about. But the holographic plate's alocational. Nothing exists in any quadrant of it that's unique to that quadrant. All the info of the entire image. Let's say it was going to be a picture of uh, James, for example. Okay, James? Is that right? So it's going to be a picture of James. Now, if it were a regular slideshow of James, and we cut a slide in half, and we only have now James from the waist up, and we slide the, we put it in a projector, we're going to see James from the waist up. If we cut that in half, we're going to see him from the chest up. We cut that in half, we're going to see just his head. But a holographic plate, if you cut a holographic plate in half and you shine a light through it, you're going to get all of James, just lower resolution. And if we cut it that in half, we're going to have all of James, a 3D version of James, just lower resolution again. We cut that one until we just have just a little tiny piece of that holographic plate and we shine the laser through it. It'll be all of James, just very low resolution. In other words, that holographic plate has all the information in every millimeter of it. So there's actually a realm. I mean, have you guys noticed the 3D, 3D life you're living here? Like, we're in a 3D thing. We are in, ultimately, a 3D hologram. This whole world's just one big hologram of, coming from light. God's projecting light through a world called Berea. And in that world of Berea, so everything's within everything. So what do I mean by that? So let's say these are the ten spheres. So we've got Chok, Mubina, Das, Chesigibur, Tiferes, Netzat, Hod, Yisod, Malchus. Those are the ten spheres. And let's say we wanted to focus on Chesed over here. So if we opened up that sphere like, a, like an electric cable, like, you know, a thick, wide extension cord, we splice it and open it. What's inside there? 
three more chords, right? There's a positive, a negative, and a ground. So what do you think would happen if we opened up the cable of chesed of the ten spheros? Guess what's in there? What's inside there if it's holographic? All the spheros. All ten. Under the theme of chesed. So you're going to have all ten under the theme of the fourth, which is chesed. Right? One, two, three, four. So you can have everything within there. Well, what if we opened in the th- under the theme of Chesed? We open it up. It's got all ten, and then we open up the sixth one, which is Tiferes. Guess what's in there? All of them are inside Tiferes. And if we open up the eighth one, we're going to get to Hod, and it's going to be all of them under the theme of Hod. Under the theme of Tiferes, under the theme of Chesed, and it, ad infinitum, so to speak, infinitum, because the only infinite thing is really God, but it, it like mind-bogglingly complex that everything going on in Berea is is holographic, and every single one of those spheres contains the sum total of all of them, just under the theme of that particular being of creation. Clear? So, for example, anyone here have a piece of food in here? Anyone have a... Yeah, popcorn. Popcorn. Okay, what do you got? I can't open it up. What is it? Oh, no. (laughs) We'll go with the popcorn, please. So, can I just have one kernel? Crackers. No, no, I want something unprocessed. So this obviously has, um, I mean, you can see it inside there. There's the yellow parts where the uh, the actual, uh, that's that's where the kernel was. And obviously this kernel was a deeply resistant <laughs> being. Because just look what happened. I mean, this is a fully exploded kernel. <laughs> It's such an amazing food. I mean, have you ever thought about popcorn? Yes. It's like, it's more resistant than your mother-in-law, okay? It is, it's like you and all your scrap, without the S, that, that it's all your scrap that you hold on to like it's as if you like it. And you, and you, you just squeeze all your stuff all the time. And it's just so weird. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I don't know. Maybe I'm the weird one. Like, when I find something within me that I don't like, it's some part of me that's not cool. So I, I, I immediately go to work to, like, get that out. But it seems everyone I meet just loves their stuff. They just love their stuff. You know what it's like? It's like a three-year-old who should have been potty trained but just was a little slow. And, you know, so now they're, like, really busted to still be making in diapers. But... What do they do? They feel like they got to make, and instead of telling their parents to get them to the bathroom quickly, they run and hide, do their thing. And then if that's not a good enough hiding place, they'll find a better one. And you, meanwhile, you're looking for your toddler, and I mean, you can just follow the, your nose, you know. Just, where is he? Where is she? And anyway, you finally find her hiding in some closet somewhere, and then, and then she, of course, runs away. And you're chasing this little smelly kid throughout the house. But, but, but I feel like half, most of the adults I meet are, they just love their dirty diaper. 
I mean, it's, it, you know what I'd like to say? Let me say it like this, is that we're all so afraid of being known that we'll even take, we'll even take the most horrible self-definitions than, than nothing at all. Meaning we're so afraid of no identity that we'll even take a bunch of ridiculous, ridiculous stuff that we've let become who we are rather than be known. Which would be the happiest thing in the world because the happiest you ever were, ever were was when you were a two-year-old toddler and you were no one. So if the happiest you ever were was when you were no one, so just why are you holding on to an identity that you don't even like? Why would you ever hold on to an identity you're not even happy about? I mean, that's just stupid. And you're not stupid, well, about most things. But you might be really stupid about this. And so all of this is coming off of popcorn kernels. Because popcorn kernels are really resistant. And generally, people only finally get over their stuff when they pop. Which takes a tremendous amount of stuff to get a person to pop. But God, God's running the ultimate personal growth seminar. And it will get you to pop. God's going to make you pop. So, But the scary thing is most people pop once they're married. And that's not fair. That's not fair. You know, why, why, should, why should the bride in that beautiful wedding dress underneath the wedding dress be a popcorn kernel? <laughs> That's just gonna, she's just gonna like pop all over the poor guy. You know, and why should the, the groom be this like total outer facade? And, and of course they both are marrying a kernel so they don't even know who they, once they pop, who says they're even gonna like each other? You know, but there's nothing like marriage to pop you, but it doesn't seem fair. It just doesn't seem fair. But yet the majority, 99% of all people who ever got married, got married as popcorn kernels. And marriage pops you. You know, marriage is what pops people. And today people, you know, people aren't getting married as young anymore, so people are popping on their way towards marriage. But, but not the ones who are the real kernels, the real resistant types. Okay, but all of that's parenthetic. We're in the middle of a Kabbalah class. But I see you guys are more interested in personal growth than Kabbalah. Too bad. Now, <laughs> everything's one here, but what happens here is, is there's the words, let there be vegetation upon the earth. And those words, let there be vegetation upon the earth, is one of these particular spheros. And in the words, let there be vegetation, vegetation upon the earth, is going to be... I just came up with a new word, by the way, vegetation. That's a vacation where you plan nothing. <laughs> There's certain people, they get vacation, they just plan the whole day. You know? And then you're like, that's nice for you. I would like to have a vegetation. <laughs> and I always, I prefer vegetations, actually. And so if my wife and I, we usually go away for two nights and three days, and she always wants, at some point or another, a plan. Meaning at least a couple hours of planned experience. And so then we don't do vegetation. Anyway, the... Um, <laughs> this comes from the words... This comes from the words, let there be... This comes from the words, let there be vegetation upon the earth. But 
in the world of Berea, it's totally interwoven with every other vegetation. It's interwoven with every mineral. It's interwoven with every fish and fowl. Can you imagine this piece of popcorn having anything to do with fish or fowl? But it is interwoven. We just got through saying that the whole thing is interwoven. Those ten spheros are the ten utterances of creation as well, including let there be vegetation. That's one of them, which creates this. But in the world here, this is the holographic plate. In our 3D world, now it's already distinguished itself from all those other creations. And when you look at the creation story, there are nine let there be's. Let there be light, let there be, you know, uh, earth upon the waters, let there be vegetation upon the earth, let there be fish, let there be fowl, let there be animals. All those let there be's are nine. And the word bereshit is the first. That's, that's the first of all the words. That's the first initial. The word bereshit is the first of the ten spheres. Now, After the world of creation is the world called called formation. That's a little more accurate than the word creation. The reason we use the word creation is because it's connected to the word Berea, but the word Berea really means something from nothing. It's something. I mean, it's actual distinct dis- differentiation from absolute oneness, so it's something from nothing. Because where everything's one, it's also nothing. Do you get how nothing and one can be the same thing? I mean, if you have nothing, how, how, how many... Can you have more than one nothing? You can have one nothing. You can only have one nothing. You can't have one. Well, nothing's one. If you multiply nothing by 30, what do you get? Nothing. Nothing, so it's always one. <laughs> the, anyway, but... multiply nothing by one, you don't get one, you get nothing. Right, and nothing's one. Why is nothing one? Because it's undistinguished. It's undifferentiated. It has no parts. It's absolute oneness. So the word is not the number. The word isn't really one because that sounds like a number. It's oneness. But nothing by absolute force is oneness. Well, nothingness might be one way to say it, but it can only be one of it. Okay. Can't have more than one nothingness. One, no, no, it's not that there's one nothingness, it's that nothingness is one. Whatever, play with that when you stare at the candles tonight. Okay, okay now, formation is something from something, because now it's already coming from this world. Here we have the ten spheres distinguished. So now we got something from something, and what does that mean? That the popcorn kernel is actually now going to distinguish itself based on that original utterance of let there be vegetation. And it's going to distinguish itself into, and this world is called Yitzira. Yitzira. And here things are going to distinguish themselves all the way down. And this is the, the Yitzira world is where it actually becomes its original, meaning what, what it was put in the world to do, which is a one-to-one, there's a ratio, a one-to-one ratio with, you know, I'll do that at an angle, a one-one to one, a one-to-one ratio with our world, which is called, which is called action, which means formation, which is the other end of the whole system 
what the whole world was created. So look at this. Emanation is lights, right? It emanates. Light emanates. Like there's light emanating from here. Lights. Camera. This is where the, the filters are. A holographic realm and then a non-holographic realm, which has a one-to-one. -one. There you actually have... What you'll have here is, is that the kernel now actually hits its sphera, and it comes down that sphera level after level after level after level after level until there's finally a little kernel. I wish I had a way to stick it to the board. I don't know what to do. Should I use saliva or something? <laughs> anyway, but I'll outline it. Okay, that's the popcorn kernel right there. But it's still, it's not in a physical form, so I'm going to give it wings. Okay. It's a popcorn kernel with wings. We'll give them two little eyes here. Okay. It's a popcorn kernel with wings. And when it hits that last level, let's say it's coming down the system from there. When it hits that last level, it doesn't go further. It's done going deeper down because it's, it's vegetation. It's not mineral. Mineral's going further. Mineral would get to all the way to here. It's a vegetable, animal. So it's, it's only going to there. And then you actually get in the world of action, lights, camera, action, you actually get a three, R3D popcorn kernel. But this popcorn kernel doesn't exist because there's really only God which we say over and over again. I mean, what do you do every time you cover your eyes and say Shema? You're really saying that there's only God. And the reason you cover your eyes, you don't want to see the illusion when you're in the truth. You're stating the truth that really there's only God. So there's no piece of popcorn here in reality. This is the illusion of a piece of popcorn. So another illustration of all of this is just to bring the board a little closer here. bring the board closer and put it right under a light. That would be helpful. So there, now we've got the board right under a light. And uh, I could turn this camera just a little bit. That should do it. Uh, a little more. So right under this light, now if I put my hand here and block some of the board like that, so you got light, then you got camera, filter, and then you got action is the shadow underneath. So that shadow, you see the image of my fingers under there? That's, that's being caused by an absence of light. By me removing some of that light, now you have the image of my fingers down below, which is exactly our system here. We've got light shining. It really, I should put it down to the world of, because emanation is the light shining in. And then we've got this world, is, it's all kind of the ten spheres separate. And then, they, and then they distinguish themselves into the actual, what will become the popcorn down here. And then we actually have a piece of popcorn in this world. Now, in other words, the only reason you exist right now in this room, and this room, the only reason this room exists is because God's removed this much light. The reason you exist right here is because the, the amount of light that was removed made it possible for us to be inside this room. But really all there is is light. That's all there is. And now you might think that my fingers are only on the board right now, and I'm going to ask this lady with the, yeah, that you plank with your finger there. Can you please press the light switch behind you when I say, um, when I say go? It's the, just reach your hand back. You don't have to look. Go, go. It's the top switch. Yeah, that one, when I say go. Okay, you ready? 
and keep your eye on the board though. Okay, everyone watch. Now you might think that my hands, the shadow of my hands, meaning that image is coming from my fingers, but it's not, it's coming from the light. So even the, everything's coming from the light. God's not only the emanator, he's also the camera, he's also the, the filters. Because there, there was nothing but God. So the actual filters are also made of God. But when, obviously, if God turns out the light, watch my fingers go. And now you're in Shema. That's Shema Yisrael. Shema Yisrael is when it all disappears. And then you take your hands off. You're, and, then, and then you get the image back. And then you whisper Baruch Shem Kavod because Baruch Shem Kavod are the secret code words. Each one of those words, you should really give it over in a class. I never gave it to you guys. But you two, my two like, main students here. The, uh, but I haven't given you over. But we whisper Baruch Shem Kavod which each one of those words is a code word for how God is hidden inside the physical world. How God's hidden inside it. all, And we whisper it because he's really hidden in it. And only on your kid would you say it out loud. Now, knowing this, knowing everything I just taught you today, let's now go, because this is called practical spirituality, and so far all I've given you is a couple of. So let's get practical here. Knowing everything I just told you means that you now have this, the code, you have the password for the rest of your life of this world. Why? Because, you see, you all have, as we've discussed, you also have a light inside you. Each one of you have a light in you. But you also have a dark in you. You have light in you and you have dark in you. Every one of us has that. And you now, when you, when you navigate in this world, which is made of illusion, it's just made of shadows, when you navigate your way through the world, your decision-making can go up a lot, like meaning a much higher quality decisions made. Because that part of you that's darker is going to be, you know, I mean, it's obviously wants to entice you into physical things, but it's, it, but when you remember, and that's the beauty of remembering, is like the word member, member means you're connected, that's connected to this. Remember? So when you remember, because when you get overly involved in the dark side, meaning your own dark side, and you, you're looking at the physical world with its dark sides, and things like look really enticing, so when you remember it to the light, you, you, you create it back, you put the light back with it. And that's why when you've fallen far down, you have to atone for that. And we, we even have a day of atonement. And it's, it's cool that that the word atonement spelled like this. Right. At one mint is atonement, meaning meaning when you've when you've gotten scattered. And so things we do wrong scatter us. We get scattered out, as opposed to one unique one and connective, we get scattered. And you know what? You can get scattered by things that aren't even forbidden. You can get scattered by work to the point where you're more comfortable with people at work than you are with your own family. That's scattered out. So we can get scattered like that. And, and uh, obviously doing the wrong things scatters us out to the point where we don't feel comfortable with holy things because we're just too scattered. 
and Torah maybe requires too much focus for a scattered brain because we scattered out our mental real estate on the internet or something like that that we're, we're too scattered out to focus on things and uh, you're hot yeah we can turn on the AC why'd it go off I'll take care of it she's got it who cares to start I got this yeah we're all set yeah it'll get cooled up real quick Anyway, so on a practical level, this all helps a lot. Now, we're going to talk about two more things. We're going to talk about anti-Semitism, and we're going to talk about Greeks, maybe all at once. Why do these people hate us? And the reason they hate us is because, is because we, we're really good navigators, and we recognize that, that the physical world is secondary to the spiritual world. Because the spiritual world's causing it, so so this is only this is only the the result of a, of a cause. This is the effect of a cause. The physical world's an effect of a cause. In other words, it's it's a it's a means to an end. And so Jews have been famous. I'm now I'm not talking about secular Jews, and I'm not talking about even observant Jews who've gotten a little too comfortable in their hometowns, but. Uh, but Jews have been famous for not really getting too invested in this world. We're just not that excited about it. But when you look at Westerners, Westerners are really, really into the physical world, but really, really into it. And, and there's just excitement. There's excitement in shopping. There's excitement in having new things. There's excitement in having new cars. There's excitement in new furniture. There's excitement... It's just excitement in the physical world. It's just exciting stuff. And, and Jews have never been that excited by that stuff. I mean, we, some of us get excited about that stuff, but we've just really generally never been that excited about that. And, and the Greeks were really, really excited by, by the physical world, by the illusion. And the Jews called it an illusion. So we called what they were most excited about an illusion. And that was enough for them. Like, they didn't like that very much, that we would call it an illusion. But it really is an illusion. And, and, so, and so for all of us, at this point of Hanukkah, our job is, made, is to get our heads on straight, like to really clarify where we're at when it comes to the, the illusion of creation. And, and the, the answer is not to divorce physicality. That's for sure not the answer. Because, you know, we're meant to be interfacing with it. And you obviously should have a good car. You know, it's just safer to have a good car. And to have a more recent car means you're up on the technologies of safeties and stuff. And it's also good to have a fast car. And a surfboard. Yeah, and a surfboard. <laughs> and a mountain bike. And a good yoga mat. So, no, really, but I, I'm being serious. That good pair of boxing gloves? You box? I'm saying, yeah. Yeah. Martial arts training. 
So, so what we're really talking about now is is equipment, and for for women, equipment can include clothing, but but we we need to have the best equipment. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But you got to keep your head on straight on what it's all about, what life's all about, because it's really about the life. And the last thing I want to share is just about eternity, is that since it's all really the light, and that's the true reality of, of existence, so our job is to really put our minds and hearts there. We want to like really put ourselves to, in the eternal, to eternity. Make, our, make, your, make eternal choices. Not every choice will be eternal. Like last night, my kids brought me all you know, three types of desserts. I chose all three, by the way. Um, just because I had to honor each child. You know, my oldest daughter made the fruit salad. Another one made little candles uh, with ice cream stuffed inside them. You know, the little cookie thing with ice cream inside and a white chocolate candle flame coming out the top. That was super cool. Now, I would never, ever eat such a thing (laughs) if it wasn't for my incredibly awesome 10-year-old daughter who made it, you know, which meant, meant I ate every last bite. And uh, and then there was something else too. I don't remember what it was. Maybe that kid forgive me if she ever watches this video. <laughs> but <laughs> we, there will be choices we make that don't matter that much. There are such choices, but so many choices do, and you can actually make choices that are eternal. And those are the ones you want to make. I mean, you. That's just money in the bank. So you want to go for the eternal choices. And how do you go for eternal choices? And the answer is you just say, what's bringing me closer to light? What's t- taking me further? Look at every decision. Closer, further, closer, further, closer, further. And if you're ever in doubt, that's why you have mentors. You, know, you always have someone you talk to. If you're in doubt whether something's going to bring you closer or further, or let's say you know it's going to bring you further, but you just feel like it's the right choice right now. Sometimes it's like that. Like there are times where I have to decide between mountain biking, surfing, or learning Torah. Mountain biking, surfing, or learning Torah. So what do you think I choose? Now some Yeah, so sometimes I do all three. Sometimes I do all three, meaning I'll start my day, I'll start my day early, get a mikvah, go pray, go learn, go surf, go riding, and then come back for lunch. And um, sometimes I have a day like that, but sometimes like I only have time to learn or mountain bike, and I just can't decide, because if I really should go mountain biking, and I don't, my learning's going to have that much effect less, and... But it's not just that. It's that I may be, I may really need that ride. And so it's not always so clear. And I won't know, I won't answer it myself. I'll call my wife and I'll say, honey, here's the situation. I got two hours. I can ride or I can learn. And she's like, when's the last time you rode? Tell her when the last time I rode. She says, have you checked the weather forecast? Check the weather forecast, and I looked, and it says it's raining Thursday, it's raining Friday, and it's raining Saturday. 
And then it's going to take three days for that to dry to get to back to the trails because you don't want to ride on muddy trails and ruin them for the rest of the year. So that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Now I'm asking her this question on a Wednesday. And she's like, go ride. Go ride because you're, you're going to be jonesing in a couple days that you can't ride. So you better go ride. And so I was on my way. I was going to either learn or I was going to ride. And I went to ride. Because she's right. you got to know yourself, but you can't trust yourself. Know yourself, don't trust yourself. So I knew myself, and that's how, why I knew that writing may be right, the right thing to do. But I didn't trust myself. I called her, and she could have said, you know what? Writing's a little Greek. It is Hanukkah. <laughs> maybe, like, on a regular week you should ride, but maybe this week you should learn. But she knows me pretty well. And she knows I'm, I am, I'm a very strong mix of, of Greek and Jewish, you know, because my first 23 years, my whole first 23 years of life were completely Greek. And so I've now got a good 27 years as, you know, living a, a very Jewish life. And, and, uh, but I learned a long time ago. I, I remember once... When I first got to Yeshiva, I didn't bring a mountain bike and I wasn't surfing. And, and my Talmud teacher saw that I was getting ineffective as a learner. I just wasn't learning effectively. And that happens sometimes in Talmud where, where you can get bogged down and you can't learn effectively anymore. And he saw I wasn't effective. So the rabbi asked me, he says, So Yom Tov, what is it you love to do? And I said, well, I love to surf. And he said, mm, what's the next best thing you love to do? because where's he going to send me surfing? He didn't know anything about surfing in Israel. So what's the next best thing? I said, well, I love to mountain bike. So he says, do you have a mountain bike? And I said, no, I don't. And he says, you're not allowed back in my class until you show up with a mountain bike. And so I left class. That was the morning. I left class. I went to... Um, I'll never forget it, because I had a conversation with this guy from Svat named Benzion Lehrer who had a car, and I thought maybe he would drive me to go buy a bike in Tel Aviv. And it was a fast day. And he says to me, he says to me, I just don't want to talk to a salesman who's like stuffed his face that day. <laughs> <laughs> On a fast day. You know, we're like mourning the temple, and this guy's like, you know, just some secular bike seller in Tel Aviv who like, you know, he doesn't even know what day year it is. And he's like, I don't really want to go to bike salesman on a fast day, you know. And that, that kind of struck me. And, of course, I took a bus to Tel Aviv and bought a bike. And then I came back to, I came back to Jerusalem that evening, kind of excited, and went to my Talmud class the next day, and the rabbi says, did you buy a bike? And I said, I said yes, I did. And he says, did you ride it? And I said, well, not yet. And he says, don't come back to my class till you've ridden it. And I went out and rode the bike for several hours. The next day I came back to class. And this was a very wise rabbi because that was, as I said before, that was 27 years ago. And I have ridden probably between four to eight hours a week, every single week, ever since then. I never stopped riding, and and I still surf. And it's it was a very good information, very good advice from him of how to play it. 
So basically, we want to make our decisions for eternity. Would you guys say for the most part I'm going towards eternity with my life? My life, like the, how do you say, Ruach Devarim, the, the flow's heading towards eternity. Would you say that, those who know me a bit? Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm going for eternity. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Like, that's where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm building a castle in the sky, and I'm planning on living there. Yeah. But... But also make being very real with the decisions down here and always running them by people because I don't, I, I, I need to make those choices. But I also don't trust myself to make those choices properly. So I always run those decisions by people. I don't, I don't make any moves ever since I'm a kid. Never made moves by myself. And and it and I'm not that personality. I'm the personality type that's very spontaneous, almost impetuous, and. And I think I sensed as a kid how dangerous my personality is for my own well-being. And from a very young age, I asked advice about everything. And I still do. And you can never ask enough. I mean, obviously, you can ask too many people. But you can never... That's dangerous. Which I don't do. The only time I ever did that was who to marry. Like, when I found my, my wife, who I married... There I did ask everybody, and boy, did I get confused. But, um, I mean, that got really confusing, but they, but I didn't, I kind of blew it there. I asked way too many people, but it was a bigger decision, though. Yeah, so, and anyway, but in, in the end, you just want to ask and ask and ask so that you can make sure you're balanced as a human being between your eternity, which is your general trajectory, but while being kind to yourself as a human being in this world that's, that's meant to be, as a Jew, we're meant to be interfaced with this place. You know, God didn't create this system for nothing. We're supposed to be taking that light in our lights in the darkest place and then raising, that, raising everything back up. Okay, everyone, have a happy Hanukkah. Shalom, shalom. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.